Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Legacy is so much more than the things we leave behind. It's the relationships we forge, the kingdom we build, and the light we bring into this world. Our legacy is the wake we leave behind us, the ripples of which can be felt by every generation to follow. What will you leave behind? Legacy. Awesome. As you've uh, been with us maybe for the last uh, several weeks, you know we've, we've been in this series called Legacy. And uh, today, as I already said, is going to be Vision Sunday. Pastor Carlos is going to come. He's going to share some great vision uh, for the future of our church. And uh, I just want to acknowledge today on this special Vision Sunday, uh, we have some special guests that are with us. Uh, if I went down the list, I would probably uh, miss someone. But you're going to have the opportunity today as well to hear from some special guests who have uh, driven in from out of town and uh, come a long ways. And uh, the guests that you're going to see and hear from today will have moments of prayer together uh, on stage uh, They've just been great friends of this house, great friends of the Serranos, uh, great support, uh, serving in positions of kind of just like an eldership uh, at times, really just uh, being with Pastor Carlos and Courtney. Uh, I say this, you know, we're going on about six, seven years of knowing one another as family and friends. And I remember uh, as Bethany and I, when the Lord was sending us out to go overseas, uh, for a little time. That's when you all were kind of coming in up here to Amelia and planning the church and, uh, you know, church planning. And, and the Germans are here, Leighton and Hannah are here, and they were planning a church back then in those days. It was kind of like these three couples and we were all doing it. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, like, you're like, you don't get in it. No one, no one says, you know what, I want to make a lot of money and be, you know, uber successful. Let me go plan a church. Um, it's, not, it's not really how it works. Like, how it works is, is God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to your heart. He calls you. Uh, and listen, if you're not called to this, uh, there are easier jobs a lot of other places. And, um, but at the same time, the Lord was calling us, and he was calling the Germans to do some things. He was calling the Serranos uh, to come up uh, this way and to really uh, be lead pastors here in this community. And as I said, that was you know probably seven years ago, I would imagine, or so God was really putting that into your heart. And uh, even before you come up and begin to share uh, the future and the vision that God's really pouring into you all for all of us, as a community, I just wanted to take a second and just say thank you for being o- obedient to the Lord about seven years ago. Um, there are, obviously, those of us in this room, and there's another service that comes behind us, not just those of us in this room today, uh, but there are hundreds and hundreds of families who are better because of you saying yes to Jesus. And we're all grateful. Uh, that that we get to be well, like w- you and I. I mean, even me. I just you know I come up from Jacksonville. <laughs> you know I hang out every now and then. And you give me the opportunity to minister here. Uh, we are all benefactors of your faithfulness and your diligence. And I just wanted to honor you this morning for just a second. I know we'll have a time to pray uh, together at the end. But I just thank God for you guys and uh, for your family. I always tell people this. You know I'm fortunate. My mom and dad are here today. And 
fortunate uh, to be raised in a Christian home. If you ever need to know anything about an individual, just look at their family. And when I look at the Serrano's family and I see three amazing, beautiful young girls serving Jesus, loving Jesus, faithful in the house of God, truthfully, that speaks more than probably anything else I need to know about Carlos and Courtney. Uh, and, And so I love you so much. So grateful for you guys. I know I'm excited. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat, ready to lean in and hear all of of what God is going to lead this church into in this next season. And certainly we honor all of the special guests that are here today as well. But hey, right now, I believe it would be truly fitting if we just stand on our feet and thank God as Pastor Carlos comes to share with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you, family. Please take your seats. Thank you so much. I am uh, humbled and grateful just to be a part of this church family. Um, there's no way we deserve this opportunity, but I'm so grateful for it. And I just pray that, uh, that today as we cast Vision for Vision Sunday, God speaks to your heart and that uh, you feel his presence. Amen. I'm very aware of the times and seasons, the Bible calls them Moedims, where you know where God is moving, and you don't have to know everything about the Bible, but you just got to know when God is moving. You don't have to know everything about everything, you just got to know when God is, is speaking, and, and I hope as a church family you're aware, you know God is moving, God is speaking, and I'm so grateful to be in this moment, just a part of this moment, because truth be told, if you're not here, this moment doesn't happen, and truth be told, if many of you sitting over here are leaders, board, elders, deacons, oversight. If you guys aren't here, this moment doesn't happen. We spoke about this moment for many of you for the past couple of years, and, and now we're here to, to really paint vision where God is leading and guiding our church family. And it's such a, an amazing time to be here. So before I jump in, do you mind if I just pray for a moment? Will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your love. God, it's our desire to seek your face for one thing and one thing alone. You show us how to lead your people. You show us how to lead our families. Reveal to us how to love our singles. Show us how to raise up this next generation, God. We will not be the generation that forgot the wonders and the works of our God. Holy Spirit, have your way in these next moments. We pray for your kingdom come and for your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. These next few moments together, I want to talk to you from this thought, receiving vision from God. Receiving vision from God is, is maybe more important than you and I know because today is all about vision. And here's the thing I don't want you to miss or, or lose in translation of today. Oftentimes when the church talks about vision, it's built on giving campaigns and, and building buildings, different things like that. And so if you're in the audience, it's like, well, this doesn't have a whole lot to do with me, but let me tell you, today has everything to do about you. You are the heartbeat of our church. Without the people here, you don't have a backbone of the church. You know, if you're not here, we're not leaders. You know what a crazy person is, right? A leader who says they're a leader, no one's following. Because you're here, we have a church. Because you're faithful and you serve and you give and your generosity, we reach a community week in and week out. When we talk about vision, I want you to know it's, it's, it means so much to the believer. Why? Because God moves in vision. You can't do a new thing on an old anointing. And so for us, as we gather in the presence of God today, week in and week out, what are we pressing in for? Vision. 
God, lead me. God, guide me. God, reveal yourself to me. You were wonderful in 85, God, in 95, and 2005, and, and 2015, but I need a God of a 2022. Yeah. I need a God of 5, 22, 22. Yeah. I need you to show yourself faithful here in this season, in this moment. The old wine skin was good, God, but man, I got some new wine, and I can't afford for it to burst right now. I've got too much on my shoulders right now. We've got church, we've got family, we've got marriage, we've got children. For some grandchildren, we've got too much right now. We can't afford to, for a wineskin to burst. So we need vision, God. I need someone who's maybe opposed to vision or opposed to stepping out of their comfort zone just to right now say in your heart, God, I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to let you stretch me for a moment. I'm going to let you take me to deeper waters. I'm going to ask you to speak in a way I have not heard you before because what you'll find out is this. If you ask God to do a new thing, he'll do it. If you ask God to take you where he hasn't taken you, he'll do it. Oh, God is ready and willing and able. That's why the Bible declares, if you what? Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He's just waiting. Think about that right now. You and I, we sit before God of the universe, and he says, I'm waiting. Ask me. Malachi says, test me. This is the God who we serve. And so right now, I'm asking you to have that courage with me. I'm asking you to have that faith with me to say, God, test me. God, work. God, move. Test me and move in a way I have not seen before. The Bible says you and I should be asking for vision in every area of our life because if we don't, we walk into some dangerous, we wade into some dangerous waters called lack of vision. Proverbs 29, 18 puts it like this. It says, where there is no what? Say it with me. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Not the people get by, the people make it. Ah, the marriage works out, the job works out, retirement, you figure it out. Ah, you, you make it through the bull market or the bear market. No, 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 no. It says with no vision, what happens? Perish. The literal translation of Hebrew would speak that without the prophetic word, you're done, I'm done. If someone doesn't have the courage in your church, in your family, in your small group, say God is faithful and will be faithful. God is bringing healing. God is bringing wholeness. He's setting the captive free. You're in trouble. We're in trouble. If we don't believe the same power that raised Christ from the dead reigns and watches our homes, even before you get to the church, because you know the home preceded the temple. Home worship preceded temple worship. If we don't believe that, we should be pitied of all people. If we don't have a risen Savior that can speak to the issues your child is having at school, we should be pitied of all people. If we don't believe in the vision that God can cast for our mental health, emotional health, for our dreams and goals, we are missing it. Psychologists teach us this, that when people have no hope, when they're devoid of vision, they become suicidal. When they don't believe things can change, where this is how it's always going to be and nothing new is going to happen and there's no fresh revelation, there's no fresh rhema word, we find out in the natural people become suicidal. And can I tell you, there's no difference in the spiritual realm. We become spiritually suicidal. We don't seek God for fresh vision and for fresh leadership and for fresh guidance and to order our paths. And watch this. We're not going to see the whole way down. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, he's a lamp into our what? Feet and a light into our what? I've never been camping, but I do understand this. That's not far. That's not very far at all. If you can't tell by my tight pants and my no socks, I'm not a camping kind of guy. But that, my dear friends is not far. And this is the God that we're serving. And, and, and here, I want to help you with vision today. It may not be vision for months and years down the road. It may be vision for this week. Maybe vision for this month. Maybe vision for this quarter. 
It may be vision for this year, but if you seek him, he shall be found. If you seek him with all of your heart as treasure, he will reveal himself. You cry out today, son of David, don't pass me by. It's proven he won't pass you by. It's proven that he will be there for you. My family and I, we, we put our feet on this soil six years ago. Do you remember this, girls? Sold everything. We had to say goodbye to the soccer teams and to the schools and everything that was our normal. We got some friends from the corporate world. We had to say bye to all those things. And we said, you know what? We're just believing for God to do something here in the atmosphere. And for a year, we met in these little small side rooms with a handful of people and then started services five years ago here. And it's now that I truly see what God was doing the whole time. It's now that it's revealed in a very strategic way I want to talk to you about today because there are many um, people who they will lead their church with a word of the year. Like, you know, beginning of the year, here's the word God has given us. And can I tell you, like, if you're that pastor, you're that leader, I admire you. God doesn't give me a word at the beginning of the year. Our prayer team knows we pray and we fast. And we, we, we just get to walk through God's word and, and see every single season what he wants to reveal through the exposition of his word. But for this vision and for this season, he's given me a word. As I look back over these years, I came in as a young 30-something, and now in September I'm going to be 40. Old man. Yeah. Got one or two grays if you look close. A few crow's feet. And my back hurts about once a week, but... It's funny because when you're a young preacher, when you're a young pastor, you, you walk these aisles. Every single seat you're sitting in, I've prayed over. Every single seat you're sitting in, I've cried over. I've walked and I've paced. And do you know what a young preacher prays? My preachers in the house, you're going to know what I mean. I'm going to be the most transparent I can be with you right now. You know what a young preacher prays? God, bring people. God, bring people. God, bring people. Because you're validated, right, by how big your building is, how full your building is, how many services you have to have. But as a young preacher, you're praying these things, and it's with the right heart you think and the right motives you think, but then you get a little older, a little wiser. You start worrying less about your outfit and more about prayer and fasting, and God begins to reveal to you, no, don't God fill the building. Holy Spirit, fill the building. Changes. Changes. You begin to, to, be, you begin to really process and pray, God, who is covering us and not how well connected are we. Not what circles do we run in, but man, do we have some Holy Spirit-filled circles in the place? And how healthy are our marriages? How healthy are our families? And what are we doing to teach and raise up the next generation that know the Word of God? There will not be an illiterate generation under this roof. We will stand on the Word of God. We will teach and preach the Word of God. We will raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And when they're old, they won't depart. Not because we say so, but because His Word says so. Are you hearing me? Glory to our God and to our King. And so for the first time, in, in, in a very in interesting way, God gave me a word for the vision of our church. I wish it had been six years ago, five years ago, three years ago. It had been nice, but he strategically works it out in his timing, and I've got to trust that. Many of you I spoke for the past couple of years, you understand this and you get this. But he gave me a word for the future and the vision of our church. Not a phrase, but a word. And so I'm going to share with you my most intimate time in the presence of God with, with my leaders, with my wife, and those who cover me. And here's what he's revealed to me. Are you ready for the word that he gave me? Here's the word. Here's what he gave me. Death. <laughs> Ta-da! Death. Anybody feel that? That's very anticlimactic, God. 
Anybody feel like my seven-year-old could have came up with a better vision word for our church? God does this. See, any preacher and teacher, you know what I mean by this. Like, God doesn't do it like you thought he would. He doesn't give you what you think. Like, this is not preaching anybody down. This will not end up on anybody's social media reel. I get it. I know it. Someone's like, yeah, this is not the right church. <laughs> Stick with me. I promise you it gets better. The Lord gave me death. And I said, Lord, death. What, what, we're scared of death. We're afraid of death. I bet no one woke up this morning and said, I, I pray I die today. I pray it ends like this today. I pray everything I've worked for dies today. However, we find out from the scripture, this is what God requires, actually. Because there's a certain life that comes from death. Oh, we get it in other things. We don't get it in our life, though. You plant a seed, it dies, it germinates, it does what? Then it comes to life and grows. There are things in us that unless it dies, God can't work with it and it can't grow. We are doing everything in our power to prop it up and project it as though it's something it's really not. When God says, no, if it's dying, let it die. Because I'm going to rebirth in something you've never seen. Because when it's rebirthed and it's reproduced, it's not the flesh. It's not the arm of the flesh. It's the God who has a cattle on a thousand hills. Do you see what I'm saying, church family? There's a certain death that God is looking for and that God requires. And someone named the Apostle Paul figured this out and it became his testimony because he came up from the best schools, taught by Gamaliel, Pharisee of the Pharisees. Everything that he believed and dreamed for, he found out had to die before God's vision could live. Galatians 2, Paul, this is his testimony. This is him crying out. Here's what the Lord has done. And he says this. He says, I have been what? Crucified. That is death, ladies and gentlemen. Every dream, every goal, everything he hoped, his 5, 10, 15-year plans, all the ways he hoped marriage and kids and ministry would work out, I've been crucified to it. He's on the run at this point, planting one church on the run, letting over a basket, shipwreck, left for dead, beaten stone. He's constantly on the run. He had to die to what his vision would be. He wanted to go to the Jews. They, they pushed him out. So what does he go to? The Gentiles. He says, all that I planned, all that I put together, it's been crucified. But you'll see how he, he processes what death looks like. I've been crucified with Christ, an excruciating, an excruciating kind of death at that. And I no longer what? You know what's funny is that you can't hurt a dead man. You can't offend a dead man. You can't make a dead person divisive. You can't gossip on a dead person. When you're dead, you're what? Paul said, the Jews can talk about me. The Gentiles can talk about me. He says, I'm dead. For me to live is Christ and to die is what? Dead. dead man. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, now you're going to see him preach. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If no one else is for me, if no one else loved me, he said, the Son of God who loves me and has formed me and will lead me, and will guide me the rest of my days. It was this kind of death that leads to life when Paul is fully surrendered, even in his flesh, because many of us think there is a certain amount of things that we have to do, a certain amount of agenda items we've got to keep. Did I pray enough? Did I read enough? Did I go to enough services? Did I tithe or give offering? We think there's all these agenda items which filter under obedience and walking out God's plan, but the only way for fresh vision is fresh death. Death to every area of our lives. With God, we die and then we reproduce. And I'm telling you right now, every area of our lives, there is a very real prayer that needs to happen today. Lord, I die to this area. 
the way I projected, the way I saw, because if I don't die to this area, if God wants to tweak it or turn it or change it, then I'm going to be the one stopping me from moving forward. I'm going to be the land, the obedience. I'm going to be the land, the move in the hand of God. I'm going to self-sabotage my own walk. I'm going to be spiritually suicidal in my own walk, killing what God wants to live because I don't want to have death in different areas of my life. Every area of our lives, full submission and full death to God. Amen? There's this story that's been running around in my head for some time, and I believe it's for this moment, and hopefully it lands well. But in Genesis 17, verse 5, you're going to see God bring death to something. You're going to see God change something. It's going to be very inconvenient. It's not going to be the way they want it to be, but you're going to see it's the way God wants it to be. If you have your Bible, Genesis 17, and verse 5, it says this. No longer, God didn't even give details. You know, like we're in the South, and so like people in the South, like we try to paint things the right way. Well, well this is why, and, and kind of should have. You know, God didn't even, no longer. No longer will you be called what? Abram. Your name will be what? Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. If you can die, because Abraham, if you know about it, he had a goal to have a son. And God said, if you die to yourself, I'm not going to give you a son. I'm going to give you kings. You're going to have a lineage that will never die. This is what he says in the scripture. I will make you very fruitful, make nations and kings come from you. I will establish my covenant. And with God, covenants cannot be broken. As an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants, after you and the generations to come, to be God and the God of your descendants. What I want you to see here is that the vision was embedded in death. Death to Abram. Death to the old way of thinking. Death to Ur of the Chaldeans. Death to here was my plan, here was my purpose. He gets a word at 100 years old that not many of us would believe in here, that God wants fresh perspective, and, and God has given you a fresh promise, but you have to die to what you thought it was going to be. This is a word more than just for our church. This is a word for each and every one of us. Could there be areas in your life that God is waiting to move and waiting to speak fresh vision and fresh life? There are people he wants to strategically place in your life and doors he wants to close. Remember, because if you're mature in the faith, you pray for closed doors first so you don't wander for 40 years. And then those open doors begin to present themselves. Is it possible there's something strategic that he would do if you and I would say, death to my will, death to my wants, life to alignment and agreement. And even for Jesus, alignment and agreement caused what? Death. He says, Lord, not as I will, but you will. If there be any other way, and what did God say? There's no other way. Death. Total submission is what we see here from, from Abraham who was Abram, where God, he brings death to one season to bring life to a new season. And what you'll find out, when God speaks vision to you, it affects those closest to you. And so if he speaks vision to you, he's speaking vision to your spouse and, and to your children, and to your children's children, and, and to those around you, similar to where when, when Aaron's anointed, we find out the anointing, it falls down him, and it goes down to the, the hem of his robe, and, and all the way down, because this is how vision works. And so God not only speaks to Abram, about Abram, to be Abraham. He speaks to Abram, or now Abraham, to Sarai. Watch this, verse 15 now. God also said to Abraham, he's already called by his new name. As for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give her a son, give you a son by her. I will bless her so she will be the mother of nations. And watch this language again. 
kings of people will come from her. They were only asking for a son, for an heir. And God said, I'm going to do you better. I'm going to give you a king. Verse 19 says this, your wife, Sarah, now will bear you a son, and you will call him what? So you get close enough to the vision of God, he'll start to give you some specifics and particulars. You follow the story, you study the story in Genesis, you start seeing God in some places real ambiguous, then you start, get, start narrowing down that vision. The more death to self, the more clarity you get. The more you see what God is saying, what he's revealing, what to stay away from, who to stay away from, where to go, what not to go. Before you used to call it a, a pain point. Now you call it a blessing. He cut some things and some folks away. Now you, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I see you more clearly now. And so now he's being clear and says it's going to be called Isaac, part of the promise. We're in the series called Legacy. Now what you're finding out is legacy and vision go hand in hand. You can't miss it. God is legacy, building legacy, and does it through vision. The vision for Sarai, now Sarah is embedded in death to what she always knew. If you follow her story, she was barren, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. We focus on the physical barren, but what we find out is she was spiritually barren. She was spiritually suicidal. She was sabotaging herself. Can I show you? Continue with me, Genesis 16, verse 2. It says this. So she said, Sarah, to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. You know, when you get into a place where you have no fresh vision, and you cast off restraints, you find out that you begin blaming God for things that he has nothing to do with. He was looking for her faith. He was looking for her to trust in him. She's trying to handle spiritual things in a natural way. And so now she's blaming God. Have you found yourself there? You begin to blame God for what has not yet come to pass what has not yet been revealed, for the healing you're still waiting on, for the wayward child that's still super wayward, for the job situation that's still a job situation, for the mental and emotional health that's still an issue. You begin to think through the financial trials that are still the financial trials, and you might, I'm talking fast, I apologize. It's excitement and, and Latin blood. It's all just a bad mix, bad mix. Pray for me. I think you're listening slow. My wife says I talk fast. I'm not sure. <laughs> what was I saying? She's blaming God. The Lord has kept me from bearing. And if you interviewed God, you gave God the microphone. He would say, Sarah has kept us from bearing. Do you see how we can get? God was waiting on her faithfulness. God was waiting on what? Death to self. She wasn't willing. Can I continue to show you why she wasn't willing? He's kept me from having children. So she's talking to Abraham, right? She goes, hey, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. God's not coming through. I'm going to figure this one out. I'm going to manipulate my, I'm going to pay my, I'm going to make enough phone calls, send enough emails, make enough noise, and figure this one out on my own. Because if I waited on God, it would never happen. And so then, this is before the name change, of course. This is before she's Sarah, before he's Abraham. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Anybody feel like Abraham, Abram should have pushed back a little bit? <laughs> Babe, let's sleep on it for a night. Let's think about it for a week. Let, let's, let's get some people to pray around us. Abraham's like, what? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. I feel like there should be some prayerful moments, maybe. Anybody with me? He's just like, I mean, if you say so, that's what I got to do. Where's Hagar? Like, oh, I don't know. I digress. I digress. Uh, and what's funny, what's funny is our guy Abraham, he got a name change and it worked out, all right? 
But what's interesting is that um, God will give you a second chance when you don't pass the first test. Isn't that amazing about God? Sarai wasn't strong enough to trust God. Abram, well, I'm not going to tell you what his mind was on, but he wasn't strong enough to trust God. And God blesses them as we read through the story with Isaac and he provides a son. But even in the provision of a son, even the provision of a promise, and some of you right now are struggling with at one time was the provision for your promise, and you're going through testing with the provision of your promise. It's a name. It's a person. It's an opportunity. It's a responsibility. And can I show you this? God will continue to test, to work things out, to work off the flesh, to work off the carnality. He'll continue to do this. Can I show you? Continue with me in Genesis 22. Watch this. It says, sometime later. Sometimes, somebody say, sometime later. You might be in your sometime later right now. If not, it's coming. Sometime later, it says, God tested Abraham. What could he do? Have they not been through enough? Then God said, take your son, your only son, with whom you love. Who's that son? What's the name of the promise? Isaac. Where are the kings coming through? So this becomes problematic. The promise now comes with a test. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you the God of details. A mountain I will show you. Like, verse 9. He bound his son, or he bound the promise, or he's ready to surrender the promise, or he gives the promise up. The promise doesn't look the way he thought. The, the promise got repoed. The promise got repossessed. The promise ended in divorce. The promise ended in a pink slip. The promise ended after COVID. The, the promise is bound. His son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 10, he's lost his mind and he's given it to God. He says, whatever this takes, put yourself in the moment. I don't know if you have a son or a grandson, a daughter. Put yourself, whatever it would take for you to hear from God and to build an altar and to bound your child and to put them on an altar. And they are your promise. This is what God called for you to do. Where you have to be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually say, I don't know how, God. I don't know what you're doing. And someone knows what I'm talking about right now. This feels like hell right now. And I can't bear this. One more thing you ask of me, God, and I'm done. And he grabs the knife, the Bible says, and in his mind, he's dead. In his mind, there's been a three-day journey to this mountain, and he's rectified. He's grieved. He doesn't know how God's going to come through, but he just is going to be obedient and faithful. Did you know you don't under have to always have to uh, understand God? You just have to trust him? Oh, we're in a culture of just because you can ask Google anything. No, just, just trust him. We read that he picks this knife up, and he brings it down to slay his son. And in verse 11 comes and says this. But the angel of the Lord, some say the angel of the Lord. The scholars who judge this is a Christophany. It's Christ in the Old Testament. Angel of the Lord called out from heaven and says, Abraham, Abraham. Not Abram, Abram. It's a new thing. New wineskin, new anointing, new blessing, new vision, new name. Abraham, Abraham, don't do anything to him. What was the test about in Abraham's life? What's your current test about in your life? Are you ready for the answer? Now I know that you fear God. 
because you have not withheld from me your son or for you whatever is most precious to you, whatever takes up the most of your mind space, whatever you cry and you grieve over most. Now I know that you have not withheld even your son from me, your only son. Abraham looked up. Watch this. This is amazing. And there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed as a burnt offering to the Lord, the best verse ever for Abraham, instead of his son. So watch this. Get this depiction in your mind. Three-day journey. Get to the mountain. They're coming up one side of the mountain, thinking the promise is dying. It's over. They can't take no more. He can't take no more of this. You know what God's doing? Sending a ram up the other side of the mountain. Same time. Same time. Ram's coming up. Abraham, eyes are coming up. Abraham's grieving. He can't believe this God. He can't believe he would do this to him. He would treat him this way. He's given him everything, and now he's taking this. And God said, if you can just trust me to die to it, if you can just trust me to sacrifice everything, if, if you can just trust me that everything's on the table, no hidden secrets, no skeletons in the closet, if you can just trust me, that ram was coming up the whole time, making its way up, making its way up. And then he sacrifices him. And in verse 15 through 18, you're going to see the God of a, not a second chance, but another and another. Where God begins to once again swear, not by anything else but himself, because there's nothing greater. He's going to bless him and his descendants and all that he's going to do because he was willing to yet again die to self. Yet again experience death. Yet again, say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Yet again, say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet again, find himself, maybe like Joseph in a pit, and say, yet again, I will die to myself. Maybe find himself in despair, like Jonah in a whale, and get vision in not the mountaintop moments, but the lowest moments. A lot of times we look for vision at our best moments, but you look through the, the, the prophet's it's at their darkest moments where Job gets a vision. A lot, of the, a lot of folks get vision in our word in those difficult moments. And so when we say death to self, I want to make sure there's complete understanding in the room. When we say death to self, it means yes to complete alignment and agreement with God. Both can't exist. You can't vacillate, Elijah said on Mount Carmel. You can't be here and you can't be there. No man can serve two. You love one and you hate the other. You can't serve two masters. This is what God is calling for death to self as people and a church. And, you know, I look over the past seasons and where we have come, Courtney, serving at Celebration Church for 17 years and all that God has done as they were our sending church and those wonderful things. But now is a new season. Now is a new time to lead our people in this community with all that God has birthed vision on the inside of us. And I'll tell you what, family, it hasn't come cheap. And it hasn't come without a price. You know why God calls you young? Because you think this is going to be fun. <laughs> you be like, oh, those preachers out there, they're so young. They haven't lived life. Do you know why God does that? Because we don't know what we're about to face. And we don't know what we're about to go through. And our marriage and our children and everything else. That's why he calls us young. But man, as you experience death to self, you begin to see God reveal himself. And the purpose is greater than the pain. And the provision is greater than the pressure. And the trust is greater than the trauma. 
And you just begin to trust and have faith and believe, and God just puts one step in front of the other and one day in front of the other because there are days that you don't know how you will continue, but God says, you don't need to know. I know. Because at the same time you're walking up your mountain to death, there's a ram coming on the other side simultaneously. I'm a living testimony of that. I'm a living testimony of what God can do. For our church family, fresh death is what I'm asking you to do, to come alongside with me and the rest of us here today. Will you say to the Lord today, I die to you today? Will you be as graphic as Paul and say, I am crucified with Christ today? In my mind, in my heart, I put on the mind of Christ. In my heart, I see not through a jaded lens, but through the lens of Jesus Christ. I bless those who curse me. I walk the extra mile. This is what God calls us to do. Fresh vision, fresh death to self. Unoffendable. You, you, you can't hurt people who are already dead. We are a dead church. <laughs> that probably won't tweet well <laughs> or post well. <laughs> Or play well on YouTube, but we are a dead church. Dead to self. Dead to the world. Dead to the culture. We can't be affected by economies, by politics, by people. We are dead already. To live for the king, to raise our home up well, to control, we can control, and trust God for the rest. We are welcoming of all people from all walks of life. Come be a part of a dead church. We die to ourselves because we rise to our king in newness of life. Amen? When God gives new vision, sometimes it's vision with the same name with Moses, but sometimes it's new vision with new names like Abram and Sarai. And that name symbolization signifies what God wanted to do. They, they became part of what God wanted to do. They became part of the vision and the plan of God. See, God puts an H in both of their names, both Abraham and Sarah. It's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which symbolizes grace. God put a little himself inside of their new names. God said, I'm going to change your name. You're going to reflect me in a major way. God says, here's, here's what I'm doing. Because see, here's the thing. When they left Ur, the Chaldeans, they didn't know what God was going to do. And can I be honest with you? When we planted church, we had no clue what God was going to do. We weren't thinking about church names and, and, and missions and value statements. We were just trying to survive. Many of you know here, if you were with us, working at the bank by day, here by night, no salary first year, like just figuring things out. I'll tell you what God did. God tested us. He tried us. Found out if we were in it to build our brand or his brand, build our name or his name, fill a building with people or fill a building with the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, he's revealed himself. I won't say we make it. I'll say he sustained us. I'll say our marriage is healthier than it's ever been. Our girls are healthier than they've ever been. Not because of anything we have done, but everything that he has done. I'll say our leaders, board, our covering, our elders, our deacons, our oversight, the best we've ever been. Not because of anything we have done, but everything that he has done. And so today we walk into a new vision of death. A new anointing. An anointing flows from the top all the way to the bottom all the way to our children that are right now worshiping. And with that new vision for us also comes a new name. I wasn't ready for that, were you? I wasn't ready for that one. You don't know what God wants to do in the community, so how can you pick a name when you plant a church, but only when you've had some time and your feet been on the soil for six years? 
when you've been, you battle some demons, and you've been by some bedsides, and, and you've been by some, some, some difficult moments, and, and you've been through some outreaches, and you've been all over the community, and you've poured yourself out like a drink offering, you begin to know what God has called you as a church to do. That you are not the church of four walls, you are the church of the community. And the church doesn't begin or end on Sunday, the church never ends. We are a church without walls. We are a church not built on brands, we are a church built on soul winning for the kingdom. We are not a church who builds buildings. We build disciples. And so when we prayed and we processed, Lord, what do you want us to reflect your name in the community? He was very clear that since he is a God of legacy and propels legacy, that he is a God that's revealed Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and creates you and his legacy and his image, no other place we could go. Nothing that we could be called, but Legacy Church. Praise the Lord. Glory to his name. Thank you for the opportunity to share that excitement and vision with you. Maybe you notice we've been in a series called Legacy. On the back of your seat drop, there's a verse that God's been implanting in my heart that I can't shake. Judges 2.10. Here's why our name is Legacy Church moving forward. It says this, after that generation died, another generation grew up. But he did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. That won't be here. Not on our watch. Not in our homes. Not on Friday nights when we, we honor the Sabbath. Not in our small groups. Not in our outreaches. And anything that we do, we will tell the signs and the wonders of the Lord. We will be obedient to the Shema. We will speak of the goodness of the Lord, whether we're walking, whether we're at home. We will tell where the Lord has delivered us from. So I'd like to welcome you all on this journey with us of death with Legacy Church. Amen. Put your hands together for the goodness of our God and of our King. Greetings. Uh, our name is uh, Pastors Kevin and Tracy Baird. We're Clay Baird uh, parents, and our daughter in love is Bethany. And we're just excited to be with you on this incredible day. What an incredible word, Pastor. That was that was that was preaching. And we were just here because. We've become, after 35 plus years of pastoring ourselves, 
Uh, we become sort of dads and moms in the faith to many. And uh, we've just developed uh, a beginning relationship with the Serranos through our, uh, through our kids and have just always felt so connected. Love, love this church. Love the community. Just, just love it. And it's, it's in a connection that really I'm, I'm beginning to see as supernatural because I'm not going to go into it, but you know behind the scenes how much crazy, ironic connection. And if you don't mind for just a moment, we want to share, but I'm going to let you listen in because I want to talk to your pastors. Is that okay? And you all can just listen in at this particular moment. But as I was driving up here today, I was thinking of maybe a verse, and if I could put a thus saith the Lord in front of all of this, it, that's how I want to share it. Sometimes the prophetic word comes that way, and sometimes it, it just comes by how someone shares. But Romans 8.18 says these words, For I consider that the sufferings of this present season are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is yet to be revealed. I have found in the kingdom that pain is strategic. God doesn't allow pain in our lives, his kids' lives, just because he has this sort of crazy side to him that says, I let you just see them squirm. But pain is strategic. Pain has purpose. And I was thinking, as we were just all amazed at this particular moment, as, as men, we can't identify at all with the women here who are moms when they have children. I mean, if you ever watch young women get together and they start talking about their pregnancies or their, their births, they, they get together and they start going, how long did you labor? Oh, I labored this long. Well, the doctor wouldn't give me drugs. And, you know, I, I was yelling, give me drugs, give me drugs, you know. And, 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 you know, if we want to slip into the conversation, they look at us like, are you crazy? What could you understand about this moment? And I've even shared with my wife before, you know, some ache or pain in my body, and she'll look at me and go, it may hurt, but it ain't nothing like childbirth. I'll tell you, you could lose both arms and legs, and it will never be like childbirth. That's just how it is. We can sympathize with them, but we cannot empathize with them. But it's always amazing to me that when a woman gives birth, and it's painful in a lot of occasions, it's not long after that that the joy of the arrival begins to eclipse the memory of the pain. Listen to me. All of you in your life have experienced pain, and if it was strategic pain, there came a moment down the road where the glory or the joy that's before you eclipses. You, you never forget the pain but the power of that memory goes away to where women are oftentimes crazy enough to go, I want another one. <laughs> Listen to me, my pastor, pastor's friends. You're birthing something right now. It's strategic pain. But hear me when I say this, it will come forth. And not too far down the road, You'll still have memory 
but the power of the pain will fade away. And listen to me, all can sympathize with what you're going through, but there's a few of us that can empathize. And I want you to know that there's a better day coming, and I can feel it in the air. These people understand that there's strategic pain because an important birth is coming forth for you today. And sweetie, I want you just to share just for a moment. As I was, we were driving here today, uh, I was just praying for y'all. And the Lord gave me a word for Pastor Courtney. Okay, just get ready. I cry. Okay, so. <laughs> I saw, I saw wind coming out of your mouth. And then I saw Carlos was over here. And wherever you spoke, he moved. Okay? As a pastor alongside my husband, I wasn't just a pastor's wife. I am called to be a pastor. When I was 15 years old, the Lord called me to the point that I only dated boys who were going to be pastors. I couldn't stand to fall in love with a pre-med major. <laughs> Even though one asked me out and he was really cute. But anyway, that's all um, the, You have the hardest job. You have a hard job. I'm not saying you don't have a hard She has the hardest job. Because... You're sensing what the Lord is saying, but he's the head. We've got to, and we'll go into preaching, but we pastors who stand beside our husbands have got to remember there can only be one head, and it has got to be him. And so when the Lord is speaking words to me, to you, I kept saying, Lord, what are you saying? What are you wanting me to say to Courtney? He said, you know this one, Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So obviously to always speak life. And I know you do that. I know you do that. But then the Lord, I said, we got almost Amelia Island. I'm like, Lord, I need a little more clarity. And he said, always watch the temperature of your words. Because in the middle of church stuff, believe me, there's a lot of church stuff y'all don't even know about. If you speak a chilling word, It'll freeze him up. But if you speak a word of anger or just frustration, and I know we all get frustrated, but you know what I'm saying, just over the top, it could burn up his vision. It's so important. You are important. He cannot do this without you. But at the same time, you need to understand the power of your words. And this scripture was, I believe, it's Isaiah 30. It says, I believe, I won't call it up. But it says, I spoke the word of the Lord as a disciple to, dis, to sustain the one who was weak. And we always said, on the days he was down, I was on a high. And on the days I was down, he was on a high. And the Holy Spirit just always did that for us. And I'm just telling you, as y'all have walked through what you've just walked through, and the Lord is saying, die, 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 that you are the woman who can sustain him. Everybody else in this church could tell him. <laughs> they could tell him that he's the greatest thing, but unless you tell him that he's the greatest thing and that he hears the word of the Lord, it won't matter. So I speak that over you today. Hey, listen, you're becoming the master, the master 
of the unplanned moment. Hear me, you're becoming an expert in the unplanned moment. It may seem unplanned, but God says it's my plan. Remember this, unplanned, but my plan, says the Lord. Amen. Leighton. Oh man, I got to come up here crying. My, life, my wife tells me I'm like a lifetime movie, so... Um. Hey, my name is uh, Leighton, and I, I feel like I've known the Serrano 30 years. Um, it's been about seven to eight, but uh, what we've walked through together has, uh, it's been a journey, and super proud of you guys. Um, so really, I want to seal up this moment. I, I don't know about you, but anybody excited? I'm really excited about the future. And so I just, I want to seal up this moment in prayer. And before we pray, I was, I was thinking about what, if... I've been a pastor of a church. What could I say to you to help you understand of where we're going? And I was led to, Paul writes a letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to a church who's facing difficulty. And he's writing a letter of encouragement. And I want you to notice where he begins encouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10, he begins encouragement with hindsight that he has delivered us. Stops there. Puts a comma to the sentence. Says, before I talk to you about your present situation, before I talk to you about the future vision, just remember that he has been good. He's delivered you from deadly peril. He's pulled you out of a pit. He's set your feet on a rock. He's been faithful from the beginning. And he's reminding the church, hey, before you find foresight, find hindsight. And I just want to remind you guys that God's been good to this church. He's been good to you. And he has done some incredible things in this church, but there's a comma to the sentence, and then he says, and he'll continue to. And so in the same way that he has, I don't know what he has done in your life. I don't know what he has done in your family. I don't know what he has done in this city. I do know he's done some incredible things, but I love that the sentence goes on, and it says he'll continue to, and he'll do it again and again and again. It reminds me of what Hebrews says, that God is the same yesterday, gives you hindsight, today and forevermore. And when you're in the kingdom, if we serve the God who never changes, hindsight actually is foresight. I don't even need vision for the future if I know what he's done. And so for those in the room and you're, you're, you're figuring out what does the future look like, just look at the past. How good has he been in the past? That's how good it'll be in the future. It'll take you from glory to glory, strength to strength, grace to grace, and he's been good. And guess what? He's going to be even better in the legacy seasons. Come on, you believe that? going to be amazing. Hey, I just want to pray. Um, whole family, whole, whole family, come and join me. Any uh, pastor, overseer, board member, come on. We're going to pray for them. Um, I just want to seal up this moment. We're going to try to all fit on stage. It's going to be awesome. But man, we, we love uh, the Serrano family, our Latino family. I was from South Florida for a season, so they, they bring a little bit of South Florida back in, back in my life. Uh, eat some pupusas. If you never had that, you haven't lived. We're so proud of you guys. Um, I mean, I'm just really believing the best is ahead. Like, he has been good, but he'll continue to. And again and again, and forevermore, he'll be the same. But he needs a vessel. So we're thankful for, your, for you and y'all's yes, the whole family. It is um, the price. Oh, I'm a crier. Ah. Come on, Lifetime. 
um, the whole family has to pay the price. It, it is. So just for you, as, man, as you're a part of this church, here's what I commit to do for my, I'm under a pastor. Here's what I commit to do. I, I pray for him and his family every day. Because there's a price he pays that I don't even know the, the weight and, and the work and, and the stress that he goes in. But my life is better because of his leadership, so I'm just going to continue to lift him up and be an Aaron and her to the Moses. So, hey, why don't you do that for me? If you, if you feel comfortable, why don't you extend your hands? Let's pray over these leaders. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are first, God, that you are the name above all names. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You're the author and perfecter of our faith. But God, you need vessels. And Lord, we thank you for the vessel of the Serrano family. And God, we just pray right now over every single, for, from, from Naomi all the way up, from Beth and and uh, Anna and Courtney and Carlos, God, we thank you right now for their leadership. We thank you for their purity. We thank you for their authenticity. And God, right now, as, as we agree over this next season of Legacy Church, we do believe that you are going to lead us into better days. You're going to lead us into more victory. You're going to lead us into more strength. You're going to lead us into more grace. And God, right now, I pray the prayer of Jabez over them. There were four things you prayed that Jabez prayed for, that you would bless them. God, I pray for blessing over this family. You bless them with more more that they need so they can give to other people. You don't bless them so that they can have. You bless them so that they can give and they can, they can exalt. Lord, we just thank you right now for your protection, God. I pray that you protect this family from head to toe. Send specific angels on assignment to guard them, Lord. Guard their heart. Guard their mind in Christ Jesus. I pray right now that no thought of the enemy will take root in their mind. We take it captive right now and make it obedient to Christ, God. We thank you for your provision and your presence, God. We pray that before we move into, right now we even make a declaration, before we step into a, a Sunday as Legacy Church, that your presence goes before us, that you lead us, that we follow you, that we are just, we're, we're, we're sub-shepherds to who you are, the great shepherd. And Lord, we thank you right now that your presence is on their life, a new anointing, a new grace. God, you, you give them fresh vision, fresh anointing. And God, I pray for influence over their life, that you enlarge their territory. You give them things, God, God, give them favor in, in areas and mayors and city officials and parts of the city and, and needy people. God, we, we pray for opportunity with the, the least of these of this community. God, people who need hope and help in Jesus, we thank you for you to open doors that no man can shut. And God, I just pray favor over their life right now. And God, I just thank you for everything that you've done. You've been good, God, and you're going to continue to. You are not like a shifting shadow. You stay the same. And Lord, we believe it. We, we have faith to know that you are going to continue to lead us. And if you have delivered us, you'll continue to deliver us. So Lord, I thank you for strength that they have never felt, strength to stand in difficult moments, just like the Baird said. And Lord, we just thank you right now for all that you've done. We pray for this incredible couple, and we give you all the praise, all the glory. Come on, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church Amelia Island or to get in touch with us, please visit celebrationai.org.